Seeds in the ground. It's out of our hands. It's in God's hands. If you weren't here the last few weeks, we sowed a big seed for our building program, for our future, for our life, for personal, for personal issues, for corporate issues here at the church. That seed is in the ground, and I am so thankful to say we were able to raise roughly $89,000. Amen. Isn't that great? We still got a long way to go, but praise God, the seed's in the ground. Seeds in the ground. There's a better, we could write a better song about seeds in the ground than pants on the ground. Amen? It's a better song. Seeds in the ground. Thank you, Jesus. You glad to be here this morning? We're so glad you're here. It feels good to worship. Kind of helps align my day, helps align my life. Helps align my heart when I worship the Lord. We have been talking for a, a good long while, four to six weeks about money. And I'm, I, was, I was talking with a, uh, a fellow believer last night and I just said, I'm so glad to be done with money. Makes me, makes me nervous, makes me sweat, you know, for a pastor to preach on money. Uh, but you know what? It's been good. Y'all have been very open, very receptive. I feel like you've responded and God's a God who responds when you respond. And uh, I, I praise the Lord that the seed is in the ground and no longer, I, I, I can't mess that up. I can't mess that up. I need to be praying for it. I need to be tending it. But God, it's God's now. God brings life to the dead seed. Church, are y'all with me? I can certainly mess things up. Don't get me wrong. I can mess things up, but my seed's in the ground. We've given out of the right heart. Praise God, we have positioned ourselves for breakthrough. And if you weren't here last Sunday and would like to be able to participate, you've got some cards in your, in your pew. Um, you can uh, just write on your offering um, that it's for Seed Sunday. We would love for you to participate into that. But I'm going to dive right into something I was hoping was going to be fun. But as I talked with this other brother of mine uh, last night, Started thinking, uh-oh, where am I going? The two areas where the United States, where our nation is crumbling, is in the financial area and in the family area. Amen. The family unit is not just threatened, it's about dead. And our finances are in such trouble. And what we're going to look at today, and I've titled this kind of a humorous title, but not really, can I raise my kids without killing them or me? Amen. And the answer is yes. Hallelujah. You can. It's true that one of the greatest joys that we have involve our family. The greatest memories that we hold in our heart are those memories that we have with our family, our children, our spouse. But I think it's also some of the most frustrating things that we go through. My most frustrating times usually are with my family. Why? It's because I spend the most time with them. The greatest pain also deal with our family. Isn't it amazing that some, some, the people that we love so much that can bring so much joy to us can also bring such a high degree of frustration to us. You're not alone. You're not weird. You, you're not the only dysfunctional family in this church, in this city, in this county, in this nation. Look to your right and left. You are with like people. We have dysfunction. Amen? I'm going to read you a couple of stories that, little, that, that children have said 
It's about one, one of the stories about a little boy who said, you know, I just can't understand. Every time my mom gets worn out, I have to take a nap. <laughs> and then there's the one about the fourth child. They just had their fourth child and all of them very small. And a, sin, a friend sent over a playpen to the family and they received it with a, a thank you note a couple weeks later. And the thank you note said from the mom, just what I needed. I sit in it every afternoon and I read and no one can get to me. (laughs) And then finally, there's the mother who had just spent all day with the kids and nothing was going right. And she was wore out, just completely frazzled and and just at the end of her rope. And and a a soul winner, somebody came to the door to to win her to Christ, came to the door and knocked. and, And she invited him in and he said, how would you like to live forever? And she responded, I don't think I could handle it. (laughs) We are all, it's where we are, isn't it? I think it's true for all of us. Every level has its joys and every level has its frustrations. And it seems like it's the process is never over. And I want us to look at this great truth in Proverbs 22. And hopefully we'll pull out some truths out of this that'll help us as parents for what we need to, for what we need for our kids. And you know what? You may have already raised your kids. You may not have any children. I'm telling you, this applies to us all. And this also applies to our relationship with God, the father. We are his children and are to, to be raised by him, his way. Amen. Why is raising children so frustrating? I don't have enough hours in the day. Number one, we don't always know what to do. Amen? Okay. I don't always know what to do. A- Amen? Amen. All right. There are, is no pat, quick, easy answer. What works with one child doesn't work with another. What works with one family doesn't work with another. It's just a fact of life. Do you know that even in our walk with Christ, God can deal with you in a way that, that works for you and he'll deal with the, in a way that works for me and the way that he works with you is not the way that will work with me? Same thing with God. Every parent who's raised their kids knows there are times that we have no clue what to do. By the way, if you don't, I, my name is Paul Ramsey. I'm the senior pastor here. My wife just uh, prayed right before uh, I stepped in and we have four children and I, I'm the first to tell you, we don't have it figured out, but we're trying, we're trying to do our part. That's, I think is what God's looking for with all the books that's been written with all the seminars that we attend with all the DVDs that come out, you would think that there would be an abundance of things to do. And you know what we do? We try things. We hear things on the the radio or on the Today Show or in books or in the newspaper or whatever we can get our hands on. But sometimes it just doesn't work. It seems like the button that we push doesn't always give us the answer that we're looking for. It's kind of like the parent that had the the, the dad, the guy that before he had kids had three theories on raising kids. But later he had three kids and no theories. Let me just say up front, I have got great kids. My kids are great. I've only got two of them in here right now, but they are wonderful. I would not change a thing about y'all. And I'm not going to put you on the pedestal and talk about you too much. All right. It's not fair to y'all. They're wonderful. They all have fine qualities and they all have weaknesses, but they are wonderful and they are completely different. Completely daylight and dark. You know, God has an incredible sense of humor. 
doesn't he? And isn't it amazing that two kids can be raised or four kids can be raised in the same family with the same parents, the same home, everything the same, and be totally different? There are just not really any easy answers. And I think that frustrates us, especially as parents who like to have control. I like to be in control. Is there anything worse than wanting to be in control and having absolutely no control? Not for me. Number one, we don't always know what to do. Number two, we feel an incredible responsibility. The greatest responsibility that I have before God, the one that I will answer to to the Lord over any other responsibility is the way that I lead my family. What a tremendous responsibility. I know that I'm responsible for this church, for these hundreds of people. I know that. I know that there will be a day that I'll stand and take account for what's, what's happened here at this church. But my greatest responsibility is to my family and my four children. And one day I'll stand before the Lord, not as pastor, but as dad. And at that point, I'll have to give account. I recently read an article about the cost of raising children. What does it cost to raise a child? And once a child ends college, and this is probably a four or five-year-old uh, poll, the average cost is about $240,000, $247,000 per child. It's a tremendous responsibility. We never get away from that responsibility as parents, and I think those two things cause frustration because the child is not going to do what we want them to do. We feel responsibility, and so many times we feel pressure because we feel that they are a reflection of us. Can you imagine how God feels about the way that we act? And we are a reflection of him. There's a great passage in Proverbs 22. Let's look at it real quick. 22 verse 6. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's a promise. That's the starting point. And the starting point in raising your child, and catch this, this is really my main point today, is knowing your child. We have a responsibility to know our child because if you don't know them, you cannot raise them in the way that they should go. Until you know them, until you know their characteristics, their personality, their temperament. Until we know those things, it's very difficult to raise them in the way that they should go. There was a recent survey of the uh, top three answers that fathers give uh, when their children come to them. And I wanted to do a family feud type thing and bring up a couple dads and have the buzzer and see who could get this. But what do you think the top three answers that fathers would give when their children came to them? Can anybody guess? Go ask mom. That's a good one. I'm kidding. It was a great answer. Huh? Good. Let's look number one. I'm too tired. Same thing, Miss Debbie. Number two. We don't have enough money. Number three. Just keep quiet. Top three answers that fathers give to children when they come to them. It's kind of convicting, isn't it? Two of those answers deal exactly with what I'm talking about here. 
that we know our child. How can we know our child when our responses are, I'm too busy, I'm too tired to talk to you, or be quiet? How can they know us? I love the story about the kid who said, as soon as you were born, the first thing they do is teach you how to talk. Then they teach you how to walk. Then they teach you how to sit down and shut up. Every one of us have been there. In fact, as I preach this this morning, I don't preach as a pastor who's got all the answers. You know, a lot of times I'll stand up here with a lot of conviction and a lot of uh, uh, strength and confidence. But today when I preach, I preach with fear and trembling. I can't stand before you and point and say, hey, do this, do that. I'm saying, oh, God, give me wisdom as a dad. Give Elizabeth and me wisdom as parents to know how to really raise our children. To bring them up in the best way according to God. Now, this this, uh, proverb that we read, train up, has been misinterpreted so many times. And I'm going to give you a kind of a common mindset that a Christian has when they read this. And just follow me. Be sure your child goes to Sunday school and church at an early age. Teach them a lot of Bible verses and hymns and make sure they learn the Ten Commandments and a few prayers to be used at mealtime and bedtime in case of an emergency. And if possible, send them to a Christian school and if they and hopefully they can attend a Christian camp each summer. Force rules and regulations and unbending strictness because after all, the kid is going to grow up and rebel for sure and he's going to sow some wild oats. But when he's finished with the fling, when he's old and gray-haired, he'll finally come back to God. You can count on There's a big lacking in that, isn't there? One response to that interpretation is just forget it. Who cares? When I'm old and gray, who cares where where they are? Because you know what? Are they going to come back? Probably not. I've seen come out of kids with such a rebellious spirit because of an exacting, unbending sense of discipline that their response is, as soon as I'm out of here, I'm outside of these rules. I'm never going back to church. It's hard. How do you raise a correct household? Let's take a look at this verse again. It says, train up. Do you know what train up means? Train up means to create thirst. It also means to direct and lead. That word train train up has a twofold meaning. First, it was used uh, in the sense of a, a Hebrew midwife when she delivered a baby. The first thing she did was put some crushed grapes or dates on her finger and put it in the child's mouth. Why? To cultivate a taste. To cultivate a taste for grapes or for dates. Train up also means to direct or to lead. It's used to, to, in describing putting a rope and a bit in a horse's mouth so that you can guide that horse into submission and guidance. I want you to notice both instances with this word train up is used with the mouth. Developing taste and training and leading. So when the proverb here says train up our children... He's speaking that we are responsible to give them some direction and to create a certain thirst in their life. How many knows that your kids are going to do what you do? I had a conversation yesterday, and kids, you'll enjoy this. While you were watching your movie, uh, Pete and I and uh, another son and a dad went to the UT game yesterday, and um, they're back there watching Spider-Man with their headphones on. And, or they didn't have headphones on. They just had it turned up real loud. But he, he said, my kids just aren't interested in music. And I said, I don't know that mine are, but they're, they're doing music. 
you know, we're, we're coming to that point of really where's their heart. You know, we've made them do the ABCs for Pete and Rita Marie, but now it's where's their heart. And we're trying real hard to find their heart and to not place them where they, they don't want to be. In the Jewish community at 13, they're, they're ready to go. Amen? But he, I told him, I said, you know what? Your kids are going to do what you do. He said, I don't have a musical bone in my body. Well, more than likely, they're not going to be interested in it either. But now his wife is a worship leader. So they do kind of like music. But, you know, if you like to hunt, your kids are probably going to hunt. If you like tennis, I'm sorry, Steve, he's probably going to like tennis. What can you do? Hey, by the way, today is uh, Stephen's wife, Lee's birthday. Make sure you love on her and tell her happy birthday today. Amen. All right. But your kids are going to, your kids are going to like what you like. So we're to give them direction. Train up a child. It, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. I'm afraid as parents, we miss this. Basically, we say, basically, I'm older and more mature and I'm going to raise up my kid in the way that I think they should go. I'm going to raise them up in the way that I want them to go. It doesn't mean that, in fact, another way to say this is train up a a child according to his way. In other words, the way he should go. According to the unique characteristics of that child. You know, so many parents think that your child is just this big, big hunk of soft clay and they poke it. And they mold it. Let me tell you, I do this. We kind of fix it the way we want it. The, we want them, right? We mold them into what we want. Then we put them in the kiln and, kiln and we bake them. This is the way you're going to be. And then they get done and we want to just take them out and set them on the shelf and say, stay that way. For some reason, they don't do that. They don't stay that way. That's not what the Proverbs talking about. Again, this scripture The scripture is tough because I like to be in control. I like to have my hands on, but our responsibility is to raise them the way they should go according to their characteristics. God gave them gifts and strengths and weaknesses. Who are we to make them into what they're not created to be? Can you see where the the conflict comes? The amplified version, I want you to catch this. The same scripture says, train up the child in the way that he should go in keeping with his individual, I typed that wrong, gifts. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Why? Because it's what he wants to do. Not what you want him to do. What he or she wants to do. The sources of frustration. I'm going to close here. What are some of the sources of our frustration? Number one, who can relate to this? The child may not be anything like us. Our child might, may not have, and I'm going to use this term, our bent, our temperament, our gifts, our personality, our likes. And that becomes frustrating. Why? Because we're unfamiliar with it. I'm trying to relate to my children in a way that I can't relate I mean, it's a lot like marriage. <laughs> I'm trying to relate to a wife that's nothing like me. I can't relate. So what happens? It gets frustrating. Your child comes and they're not anything like you. There are some characteristics that are like you. I can see myself in all four of my children. But I can see Elizabeth and, and her parents and my parents and all my kids, my sisters, her sisters. We can just see they're not me. 
and I'm not to make them me. Are y'all with me? Number two, one child may not be anything like the other. We have two children. We may have two children in one family that are totally opposite. I've got four. Now the blood pressure starts to rise. What worked with the firstborn didn't work with the secondborn. What's wrong? Is he broken? No. He's not. It's not some mold that you just all of a sudden pull the trigger and you're done. Well, I taught this one to ride their bike this way. Well, it didn't work that way with the other one. I didn't even have to teach him. He just got on it. But we got to teach him other things. Same thing with Sarah Bed. Just got done. We taught her last year how to ride her bike. She got up the last time. It's like, uh-oh. Oh, no, you didn't forget it. Yep, I forgot it. Let's go. Okay. And you know what? I got frustrated. And I told her, I'm done. I'm wore out. I'm done. She, she, she didn't say this, but she said, fine, get out of the way. I'll get it. And she taught herself. Hallelujah. Tying your shoes and riding your bike are two of the biggest challenges that I have in my life. Today. Praise God, we're beyond that. The blood pressure starts because we've got these unique kids. And you know what had happened in the first family? Adam and Eve had two kids, Cain and Abel. Abel was pliable. He was a lover of God, unselfish. Cain was stubborn, stubborn will, loved himself. Now, these two kids had the same family. We can't say, oh, no, we sent them to the cousins for a weekend and it ruined them. They had no cousins. We can't say the grandparents did it all because, you know, they're, they're just around and all they do is spoil them and just make things. Nope, no grandparents. The same family, the exact same surroundings, two totally different kids. Right? Go a little farther. We look at Jacob and Esau. They are even more alike. Why? Because they're twins. Esau is a hunter, outdoors guy. Jacob likes to stay around the house, hang out in the kitchen, cook. Two absolutely different personalities, two different temperaments, two different mindsets, two different likes and dislikes. It's amazing how different the kids are in the family, isn't it? So what are two major mistakes that we make as raising kids? Major mistakes. Number one, we try, what's this, this term I don't get, rear. I just don't get it. We can just have a little fun for just a minute. We rear our kids the way we were reared. Okay. But you know what we do? What do we do? We just know, do what we know to do. Right? We have a tendency to raise our kids the way we were raised. Because it's what we're familiar with. My dad did this, so I'm going to do that. And there's a lot of things about raising, uh, raise that, that my raising was good and a lot of things that probably shouldn't be applied to our children. But we have a tendency to deal with the familiar and that's what we know and that's what we grew up with. But number two, we compare our children with each other. Don't do that. We're learning on Wednesday nights about the story of Joseph and how uh, uh, Joseph was favored. And even though you'd think from Joseph's perspective that would be a good thing, it wasn't. He got alienated by everybody. He got spoiled. Be careful comparing. You know, you can't hardly help it. Well, this one did this. Why isn't this other one doing that? Okay, that's all right. 
Why can't Joe be like Susie? Why can't she get good, he get grades and she get good grades and he does he gets good grades and she doesn't? Now the bad news is, is that the kid who doesn't fit our personality, our bent, is the one who gets left outside when we start comparing. And that's what we don't want. It's so amazing this morning. I know who I am. God doesn't reject us. He accepts us just like we are. Covered in sin. Doesn't matter what our history was. He loves us. One thing that we need to see as parents is that we know who they are. And they know who we are. Do you see that same picture that God tries to give us? He does give. That if you will just know, have a relationship with him, you will know you're accepted just like you are. And your children need to know they're accepted just like they are. It's not our job to change their personality, to change their characteristics. It's our job to help form what God has created. And to help raise up what God intends for that child. That's our, you know what, we do that. It aligns with everything. It it aligns with the world. It aligns with their little spirit. It aligns with God. When we try to make them into what they're not, nothing's going to go right. No one's going to be happy. The parent's not going to be happy. The kid's not going to be happy. God's not going to be happy. Well, mama's not happy. Nobody's happy. Amen. Hang in here with me. We'll probably only spend about another week here. But I'm telling you, it's good. It's good. And the job of the parent has got to step it up. We have got to step it up. Grandparents raising kids now and aunts and uncles raising kids. and Parents completely checking out. God never checks out on us. Never. Never. Father, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for our children. And Lord, I just ask right now that you would have mercy on us. Lord, that you would give us favor and power and strength. And Lord, that we would have the courage and the backbone to stand up and to do our job as parents. Lord, I know that when we obey you and seek after you, that even in our mistakes, will you make good. I've seen it so many times in the people in authority over me and even in my parents that what I think are their mistakes turn out right. I can't explain it other than the kingdom of God and your authority and the way that authority works. Lord, I thank you that we are coming after you. Lord, I thank you that our seed is in the ground. Now, Lord, help us to take account of what's in our household and to give thanks with what you have provided us. Lord, your word says that our seed shall possess the gates of the enemy. And I thank you that no weapon formed against our children shall prosper. And Lord, I just confess that this day. You may be here today and you may be hurting. You may have had a bad report this week. You may have had some tragedy to happen. You may have a health issue. We want to pray with you this morning. Maybe you've come this morning and you say, Pastor, I don't even have a relationship with God. You know, maybe I did. Maybe you did give your heart to the Lord when you were a child, but you have no relationship. Maybe you've never even made that first step. Today is the day. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you, are you away from God? 
today's the day just to make that step. I just encourage you, just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, I'm away from God. And I need to come closer. I need to come closer. Thank you, Lord. Well, if you've never prayed the prayer to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to step out in just a minute and let us pray with you. If you have a prayer need, I want you to just to step on out in faith and step up here and let us anoint you with oil and lay hands on you. And the word says that if you will lay hands on the sick, the sick will recover. Step out this morning and give, give the Lord what you're going through. We all stand up with me. Those ministering, step on out and come on up here. And as Tammy sings, just encourage you, step on out and let us pray.